Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Physical intimacy has been hard to come by during this pandemic. With the coronavirus forcing us to keep our distance, it's been tough for some to get physically close to another human being, especially if you're single. So as restrictions ease, if you don't trust random strangers in this new world of social distancing, would you consider paying a professional for sex? It definitely wasn't crossing any of my boundaries. I sort of went into it rationally and thought, yeah, okay, why not? And it was very enjoyable. Today, we look at the world of male escorts, the men who become them and the women who pay for them. So probably about two years ago, I decided that I actually wanted to get better myself at certain aspects of sex, particularly giving oral. So I actually did some research and tried to find somebody who offered that. And I came across John's profile and actually, I think research is the key, really looked into every aspect of what was said on his website and decided that I'd start off there. That's Brianna, explaining how a couple of years ago, wanting to better her skills in the bedroom, she decided to start looking into the services of a male escort. She says while she did a ton of research working out the best fit for her, it was still really nerve-wracking the first time she went to meet John. I was really nervous. I'd never done anything like that before. And, you know, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but had had quite a bit of communication before. So I felt sort of quite at ease. I didn't have any nervousness about John so much, but just about obviously what would be happening. And I think it's confronting doing anything for the first time. So, yeah, definitely felt a little bit nervous. Talk me through how the experience went for you. Do you feel like it was beneficial and did you achieve what you wanted to achieve? Definitely it was. So I was very sort of specific about an area that I felt that I needed some more skills in. And so it was very much a kind of lesson session, I guess you could say. I think it was two hours and was really good at giving me some different skills and confidence in an area that I hadn't had that confidence in before. Have you kept seeing John? Is it a part of your life now that you regularly see him or irregularly or was that it for you? No, that wasn't it. So I sort of felt by the end of that session that I could still sort of benefit from more of that kind of lesson type experience. So I did keep seeing him probably about every six weeks or so. There were periods of time where I didn't see him for a few months for various reasons, but on and off sort of kept seeing him. And I guess those sessions really sort of evolved to be sessions that were involving still a little bit of the skills, but also some full sex as well. What changed? Why go from those lesson-based type sessions into having sex with him? It felt like a very natural evolution. There was definitely an attraction there, I guess, during those sessions. 
And it was something that came from him. He said, if you're comfortable doing that, that is something that obviously we can incorporate. It definitely wasn't crossing any of my boundaries. I sort of went into it rationally and thought, yeah, okay, why not? And it was very enjoyable. And so that continued to be an element and then switched, I guess, into the main reason for continuing to go and see John. Have you had a partner through those couple of years that you've been seeing John? I have, yes. I have had a partner, which was part of my original reason for for going to see him was very much around that personal skills of my own. So yes, I still have that same partner now. And is he aware of John's existence and how does he feel about that? He's not actually aware of it. So it isn't something that I've revealed. It is something that I'm happy to and reconcile that that's something that I need for myself. I think that I had a lot of issues going on around that time, around some workplace experiences that weren't going very well. I had a lot of battering, I guess, my own confidence. And I feel like my confidence in myself was restored in quite a few ways by having a bodily confidence, I guess, which is something that I probably didn't have for several years. How do you feel about the judgment that goes hand in hand with anyone, man or woman, who seeks out the services of uh, a sex worker? Do you feel, do you carry any of that guilt that you're doing something that is so frowned upon by many people or are you totally fine with it? Uh, I think there might be moments when I do sort of think about it more deeply. I think there's a huge imbalance between women going to see a male sex worker and men going to see a female sex worker. I feel like the flip side is or would be a lot more seen as the norm. And I think that the stigma associated with a woman seeking that out is definitely a lot higher. And that's quite clear by the fact that they're are actually not many male sex workers. And I would imagine there's thousands and thousands of female providers. So I think there's definitely, first of all, an imbalance to that stigma. And I think it's really just a personal choice. I mean, as I said, it really does positively impact my self-confidence in myself as a woman, I guess. So it is something that I can rationalise and justify to myself, which does not mean that I'm open about it, obviously, because there is that outside stigma impacts. How do you separate the emotions from it? It's hard to be that physically intimate with someone and not have real feelings for them. How do you deal with that? I think that John is very professional. There's no crossing of boundaries in that way. I feel like maybe it's a personality thing, but I'm definitely able to delineate between the fact that I'm going there for a very physical experience. I mean, I wouldn't be obviously continuing to see someone if there wasn't a physical attraction there. So that definitely plays into it. But I haven't had an issue where I obsess about the non-physical aspects of those interactions at all. But I think that's very much a personality thing. And I, I can see that some people might struggle with that more. Love of this kind in the time of COVID is tricky. Sex workers have been hit particularly hard by the pandemic, with the federal government back in lockdown one declaring brothels, strip clubs and sex-on-premises businesses as prohibited venues. The community was faced with an immediate loss of income. In New South Wales, sex workers have been allowed to continue working outside of brothels, while Queensland and Victoria banned private sex work also. Sex work is still criminalised in South Australia and WA. In Tasmania, brothel and street-based sex work is illegal, but private is not. 
Some sex workers were eligible for JobKeeper or JobSeeker payments with the additional coronavirus supplement. But for some, there's been no government support at all, instead moving their businesses online, starting up webcam services or selling videos or pictures. Back in March, a group of sex worker organisations across the country got together to form the National Cabinet of Whores to mirror the state and territory leaders' meeting with the federal government at the National Cabinet. They developed strategies for harm reduction for those working during the pandemic, such as not working if they're feeling unwell, screening clients, washing hands and not touching or sanitising money. So with social distancing measures in place, who is out there serving the sexual needs of straight women? John O is a male escort and the man who Brianna sees on a regular basis. John, how did you get started on this career path? The short answer is I needed money. Post the global financial crisis, my IT business took a big hit and so I started doing this work as a means of adding another income stream. And over time, that grew to effectively replace all of my other work. And I love the work, and it has become my career. Do you tell people what you do for a living, or do you prefer to keep it aside from your real life? It depends on who it is, when and where. Most people respond positively if I do tell them what I do. However, I don't necessarily need that kind of attention, because you tell someone that you're a male sex worker for women... And most people are like, oh, wow, what's that like? Tell me all about it. So it's not necessarily uh, a conversation that you always want to be going through. What reasons do women give you for needing your services? The vast majority of women that I meet for my work simply want to have some good sex that's about them and not have to worry about anyone else just for a change. They may be married, they may not be married or in a relationship. If they're married, then generally they're just not having good sex with their partner anymore. Or they may never have had good sex with their partner in the first place. Are there many male escorts in Australia? I mean, we know that there are many female sex workers. Is it the same for men? No. There are a lot more male sex workers for men than there are for women, of course. Lots of gay guys out there and bi guys. But the market of straight male workers for women is quite small. My business grew basically in line with the uptake of smartphones and tablets because prior to the iPhone, most women didn't really have any private, secure means of doing their research to try and find a male worker. They were limited to a family computer or a work computer generally. And that made it incredibly difficult, I think, for women to actually find us. When the iPhone and the iPad came along, suddenly women had a means in their pocket to do that research and to not have to be worried about anyone else looking over their shoulder or seeing their browser history. Well, let's talk about that research. Now that we do have a good private way of conducting it, what do we need to know? Like, for example, how much does it cost? Okay, well, as with all good capitalist enterprises, there's quite a range of options in terms of price. 
I would sit somewhere in the middle. I'm not the, the most expensive. I'm not the cheapest. My most popular booking is two hours, and for that I charge $600. My next most popular would be my evening booking, which is four hours, which I charge $1,000 for. What do we need to know when we are seeking out the services of a male escort, other than how much it's going to cost us? What should we be asking? My attitude with my marketing is that I want to meet women who are well-suited to me, so people that I'm going to be able to get along with in conversation, in general life. So therefore, I have spent a lot of time over the last 10 years writing content for my website, making films, so forth. And I do that because it lets women who might be interested in using my services get a genuine feel for who I am. So I want anyone who makes a booking with me to walk through the door and after five minutes conversation think, yeah, he's the person that I had pictured based on reading his website. The average woman takes probably one to two months of researching me. So coming back and looking at my site again and again and reading more and thinking about it to make the decision to contact me. John, how do you think your experience in this industry has been compared to women who are sex workers? It's absolutely easier for me as a male sex worker than it is for women. There's no question about that whatsoever. I don't suffer anywhere near the stigma that women who work in the industry will suffer. When someone finds out that I'm a sex worker, it's like, oh, that's interesting, that's cool. For a woman who's a sex worker, there's already a stereotype and a negative association in our culture, so it makes it much harder for them. So male privilege is a thing, and... It extends even into this industry. Before you delve into the world of Australian sex workers, you need to check what the restrictions are in your state. For example, all forms of sex work is currently banned in metropolitan Melbourne under Step 2 restrictions. But the advice from John and Brianna before you figure out if finding a professional to help you in the bedroom is really what you want is research, research, research. I always say to people looking to hire a male sex worker, do the research and find someone who feels right for you. Read everything you can about them because the more someone says, the harder it is for them to hide who they really are. Proper providers will offer an opportunity to just meet them for a coffee in a public space, face-to-face. So I'd say that that would be a really good first step. One thing that you can do for male sex workers, there aren't very many, and they tend to be reasonably sort of well-known amongst their peers who are females. So I think there's probably a kind of trust aspect for women of maybe going to ask female sex workers, which sounds a bit weird potentially, but there are a lot of very vocal people, I think, in the sex worker community. So going and probably finding some people who work within the industry and know their peers would be definitely a good place to start. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. 
guest booking by Mel Zauer. If you're up for it, we'd love you to send us some feedback on the show, both the positives and the constructive criticism. Rate and review us in your podcast app. We'd love to know what you think. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.